Hey, Culture Hackers. This is an episode on productivity. We start off with some personal productivity tips, tricks, and hacks. And then we get really geeky because Jill is back on the podcast and she has been immersed in the world of AI, artificial intelligence, and how we interact with these technologies like Siri, but that they're getting more and more integrated into our life and smarter and integrated into communication platforms like Slack. So we get really geeky about that stuff. Kind of an interesting turn from from our culture, but this may become the culture if it's all driven by AI. So uh, another episode where the audio isn't quite up to snuff, better than last time, but next time after this, I will have my full audio studio back up and running. So thank you for your patience. Without further ado, here is the episode. Hey, Culture Hackers, it's Robbie Richmond back with co-host Jill Richmond back again. Jill, how you doing? I'm good. Hi, Robbie. It's good to hear your voice. It's been forever in a day. I know. Here, I think. Wow. It may, it, may be, it may be a full year that we've sort of decided to take over the microphone and talk together. Um, you know, I know. The thing that scares me about, about getting older is it, it seems that every year goes faster and faster to the point that my 90-year-old grandfather <laughs> has said to me that it all went by in a blip. Oh, God, you can't hear. I mean, that's like the one line you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear someone who is like in their 90s saying, hey, by the way, 60 years, I don't know where they went. Like that's you know, a subtle yeah. reminder that we need to – I don't know what we need to do to fix that. Well, here's the good thing. You've been busy for the past year, so I, you know, I don't think you've – you don't feel like you've been – you know, weighed ba- down by indecision. You've, you've been busy. There are times when, you know, I realize the times when I'm weighed down by indecision, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of resistance and I sometimes need to just slow down and let things percolate. And, and it's usually because I want to move faster that the indecision happens. And, um, so yeah, but I've, I've certainly done a lot. The, the good saving grace that I think to the getting older though, is that, and, and my dad and my grandfather have confirmed this, that, that, that memories get better over time, you know? So the bad ones don't seem so bad and the good ones seem really good. Do you think that's because we sort of edit, we become highly editorial over a period of time. And so, you know, we sort of start cherry picking and, and get really nostalgic about particular memories. Probably, but you know, know, it could, it could be, it could go the opposite way where you get more and more regret for all the things you missed. But luckily there's something, maybe it's a survival mechanism. Like our brains know that if, if it got worse, we would just shoot ourselves. And so to make life bearable, it makes the memories better. Totally. I would agree. I would totally agree. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how to make your life amazingly full of so much because today's talk is culture of productivity. Mm-hmm. This is a hot topic. This is, I mean, this is sort of your, this is your niche. This is kind of your, your favorite topic. Um, it's one of them. It's definitely one yeah. of them because, you know, it, it really started for me when I first read GTD, Getting Things Done. Mm-hmm. And it, the first time I hated the book, I thought it was terrible. And then the second time I loved it, but I didn't do it. And then the third time I finally implemented it. So I, I, I've never read a book three times, uh, right. but Getting Things Done I love the subtitle too, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. So not just get a lot of crap done, but how do we get it done and not stress about it? And the whole way that he teaches about how the mind works and how um, 
the big game changer for me, what, one of the things that, that really prompted this podcast was when I was working with our mutual friend and coach Hans uh, talking about my, my open loops. And open loops are things that are just out there that are incomplete, especially for me, a lot of notes, like a ton of stickies, a ton of notes, a ton of emails, all these things that are just out there. And mm-hmm. he said, look, you've got to clear those within 24 to 48 hours or it leaks energy. And ever since that day, I've been processing them within 48 hours. And my amount of energy really has greatly increased where at least, at least I have control over all the things I'm not doing. Whereas when I had them all over the place, that feeling of being out of control really drained a lot of my energy. But what does that actually look, I mean, what does that look like for you? So, I mean, I know what it looks like for me, but you know, what does that look like for you? For me, it's, it's a ton of sticky notes everywhere, both digital sticky notes as well as actual sticky notes. It means a bunch of, of projects in, in flux with no prioritization to them, a bunch mm-hmm. of emails I haven't answered. It means on the other end of it, you'd see me going from idea to idea to idea, like, you know, tab on the browser to tab on the browser, a bunch of those tabs open. And so the, the, the clearing out of those, not only has it made more focused, but now I get hesitant to start new tabs because I know I'm just going to have to clean it up later. So why make a mess that I'm going to have to clean up? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I told you, I stuck – it's been good for me. And it's funny, it did come up when I, when I originally met Hans, and I've been pretty much sticking to it, which is just the basic Kanban system. Yeah. You know, it's, I have a whiteboard up. And every morning I've got everything broken into from 0% to 100% to task. And then I have post-it notes and I move them around the whiteboard, uh, you know, based on where I'm at. And especially now, because instead of being focused on one project with product sprints, marketing sprints, and all of them in between, now I'm starting to work on multiple projects. It's like, it's sort of keeping my head keeping my head together. It seems really basic, just basic Kanban system, but yeah. So guys, if you don't know what Kanban is, K-A-N-B-A-N, it's a really cool system of moving notes across a workflow. So the most basic is to do, doing, done, sometimes with an at waiting column when you're waiting on information from somebody, but it can be applied to any workflow. And the idea is you only keep one to two items in process that you're actually working on at any time if you're following the rules of Kanban. And I think the, I think one of the, the biggest breakthroughs of it is that it makes it visual and tangible and real um, where it, it, instead of just lost as digits somewhere. And I've seen it work so well for teams because the whole team rallies around that board and it be, it, there's something about it being, going from intangible to tangible by being real on a board. I love it. I mean, it was, I have to say, just in working on our product team alone, it was really it was the only way that we were able to operate we just had multiple teams this last company we had multiple we had multiple people that were spread out across the US and it was like oh my god so i i know many people are used to working at different time zones for us on the product side it was starting to become a nightmare and it was the only way to sort of for me to mentally process the team as well for me to mentally process what was ongoing and what wasn't and how to sort of um prioritize um, yeah, it was brilliant. So yeah. I mean, I'm glad Hans that had that moment. What else are you curious? Like what are, what are some of the other things that are, and they're all tactics. What are some of the other things that are sort of clarifying for yeah. you? In terms of, yeah. That was the first game changer. The second game changer was no more than two to three half hour periods on email. Because before that I was on email all day, every day in line at the bank, constantly had the screen open 
um, which made me highly, highly inefficient because it was just on all the time. And it blew me away that the first few days I did it, several days I didn't even need more than two periods to clear out my inbox and actually respond and, and, and get it down to zero. And the, the, the value of that kind of time constraint I've been experiencing a lot recently. Like I just moved out of my apartment and I didn't realize how early the cleaners were going to come and how it was actually a, a four days earlier for the least to end than I thought it was. So I basically had this, this small period of time to do it in. And I, of course I got it done because it was time boxed rather than having four days to get it done. I got it done in, in the, you know, the small apartment, like a half a day. Wait, so you found out that you, so you found out that you had to be out of your apartment four days earlier than you thought you did? Right. Okay. Yeah, well, and I could have extended it if I, if I paid some extra money, but I thought that this is perfect because I really wanted to get out of there sooner anyway. And, and especially with the time constraint of the cleaners coming in a couple hours after, I, I got way more done. Um, and it, it, it reminds me of this, this quote, uh, a woman who I was dating once in the Air Force, I said, what's the most surprising thing you've learned in the military? And without dr missing a beat, she said, how much you can get done in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. I've heard you say that before, and yeah. I thought that was really brilliant. No, you know, it's like, it sort of reminds me, did you ever read the book, Thinking Fast and Slow? No. Really brilliant. Um, it's much broader about how uh, short thinking or fast thinking, you know, it's, it's sort of the... Um, the notion of making really, really split decisions and how sometimes brilliant they are. Uh, and, and the long thinking is the, the processing. And sometimes you're not making the, you're actually, you're actually taking more data in than you need to. Yeah. Um, right. And it becomes very confusing. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, I just, it, it's a good book and one that you should pick up, but, um, it, it definitely sort of highlights this notion of like 30 seconds. So much can happen. Um, good for you for being disciplined. I don't know if I can be so disciplined about this email. Uh, and I'm not on email that much anymore. Here's, here's the thing. This is the other hack that is when people oftentimes make changes, they'll, they won't put an end date on it. And so it's really, really threatening. So what I did with, and I did this with friends, we all had this idea is we said, it's going to be for a week and that's it. And all we have to do is commit to that week. And then after that, if, if it's not a failure, if we don't do it after that, right, that the goal, because That's, most people just say, oh, now I'm going to do this forever. And because of that, it feels impossible and you just don't do it. And mm -hmm. so I know you could do that, Jill, for minimum a day, maybe two, oh, maybe of course. three. You, right? I mean, you, you know me well enough to know that if you say I'm going to, you know, you, you have a challenge for the next two days or three days or five days, I'm going to do it just because you gave me the challenge. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's worth me considering the problem that I have in kind of definitely part of the thread of conversation is I am often less on email and more on Slack. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm finding that I'm, I'm more on Slack or had been more on Slack than I was on email, which even that has, has been a productivity drain. Oh, actually. I've heard about that. I've heard people at some companies have to do these like slack free hours to get people yeah. off of it and just get back to working. That's fundamentally the problem for a company that is really trying to be, um, yeah, there's a, there's a notion that actually what's happening is you're becoming incredibly more product, productive on slack. 
it can be inc- it can be a lot worse because what happens is and you know this it's like you are in multiple channels and then you're called out on a bilateral conversation and then if you're on multiple channels there's a lot of white noise and you're not sure what you need to read and then all of a sudden let's just say you take that and then you're in multiple slack teams that some are work some are for other companies some are for other clients and you literally are staring at especially if you're on your mobile device, you're literally staring at maybe 20 Slack teams and all of them have like, you're called out in them and you have no idea what your response time needs to be. And so it can be this like worse drain than email because at least with email, you can kind of triage it. With Slack, you sort of aren't able to until you actually open it up and start looking at it and scroll through up and down where you're called out. It's, It's still still an imperfect science. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It just yeah. made me think of a new reason why Slack does work well in, in my mind. I, I, I heard this interesting concept called Conway's Law from the software world, which states yeah. that the code of software is actually a reflection of the personal dynamics and interactions of the team that created the software. Yep, that's right. And yep. so it makes me wonder how much what Slack may be doing is really building stronger relationships and more human contact than people had before. And that that's kind of a, a, a richer interaction, which even if it's a productivity suck, gets people more in sync in terms of how they know each other. Well, because it's not a unilateral, it's not like, it's not a single purpose interaction. It's mm-hmm. a multi-purpose interaction. So, you know, like the way that you're communicated to will be either direct or indirect, which is very different. It's like with email, you either go to blind copy, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, Instead, yeah. It's like, maybe I should be paying attention to this email thread, but I'm not, I'm not really directly related to it. Whereas in blind copy, I'm eventually going to be pushed out of the email thread anyway. Right. 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 I make an introduction. I'm pushed out. Um, yeah, no, you're 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 pretty right. So if you were to, you, you've had a lot of experience both on email and Slack. If you were to start a company from scratch right now, and you could have just carte blanche, and you have a team to, like to begin with, and you're going to set all the standards now while it's blank, would you set the standard of email is only for external, out of the company communication, and Slack is all our internal communication? Yes, I would. I would. I'm, pr- I'm still pretty bullish about Slack. There are lots of things that I don't love, but the indirect and direct communication I can have with team members and then the search capability and the ecosystem that I can build on top of Slack and use for, you know, multiple productivity applications we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I would. And I did, you know, so I, I still would. And that was really the way that we handled it. I mean, I just stepped away from a company, um, where we were building our integrations on messaging applications. And so... Um, well, yeah, let's talk about this because I, I, I want to know the distinction between... And for those of you, uh, listeners who, who don't know what this is all about, first of all, Slack is this uh, asynchronous chat tool. Uh, it's taking over the startup and corporate world even of replacing email. It has a lot of ways to integrate all kinds of other applications. For example, Google Docs. Rather than uh, having to link out, it can really integrate Google Docs and, and many other... Uh, things like Trello, uh, anything with an API really starts to connect in with Slack. And so people are developing um, all kinds of integrations for for Slack, including bots. And Jill, would you define what a bot is? 
Yeah. So a bot is, I mean, the best way to describe what a bot is, it's, uh, it's, it's almost an, it's almost an API, right? It's a bot will create using, um, enabling technologies like AI or natural language processing, a single purpose or multi-purpose capability of interacting with it where you're speaking in close to natural language or as much natural language or as many cues as you can so that the call to the piece of software is sort of listening in on your conversation or it's able to respond to your natural language as opposed to um, an app. Okay, that's good for all the geeks. So let's let's just go through like the most basic example yeah. of a bot from a real world perspective. The most basic bot from the real world perspective. I mean, Slack essentially has built its has its own bot, right? So it it talks to you about how you should how you should set up your teams. It tells you when someone has joined a team. Mm -hmm. It communicates to you directly. So it's it's back and forth communication between what would feel like a person. Mm. So what, what what would be the scenario? So I'm I'm on I'm I'm on Slack. I'm typing to a friend, and what happens where a bot starts interacting with me? So sometimes a bot can listen into the channel and can listen in for keywords. Mm -hmm. So let's like use a really rudimentary example. I'll use the example of our company, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, let's say you and I are talking, and it's lunchtime, and we and I say to you, "Hey, Robbie, I'm hungry." The bot can actually listen into that conversation or can listen into a channel. It's listening in for keywords. And then it would direct message you, right, or direct message both of us and say, hey, Robbie, or hey, Jill, looks like you're hungry. What can I get you? How can I help you? So it becomes, there are bots that have become almost virtual assistants in particular verticals or to help you set up operational tools within Slack or that can help you set up. It's almost, it's like, I hate to use the example, but do you remember remember Microsoft Clipboard? Yes. Microsoft Paperclip, rather? Yes, yes. It's a little bit like the Microsoft, in the worst are the Microsoft Paperclip types of experiences. Right, which is foreboding. And, and, and it actually reminds me a little bit of, of early Microsoft, early IBM PC. And I remember the, 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 the commercial, the idea was things like, mom will keep all her recipes on the computer now. And <laughs> that never happened. You know, like maybe it got there eventually with the web, but mom was not sitting there using her computer for that. And so I, I wonder, and maybe we can distinguish this here here on the show for, for everybody who's curious, like what what is the what is the truth of where this is actually working now and, and people are using them and the bots are helping and it's actually leading to real world productivity versus this very theoretical type of, of framework that people are betting on, which reminds me of when people were investing in all those Facebook apps that eventually just went nowhere. Correct. And you know, it's like, if you think about Phil Libin, who was at Evernote has become very bullish as an investor in the bot space. And he likes to describe bot. Basically he's built this kind of bot atlas, right? So you have bots that are on the consumer to enterprise side you have bots that are just human assisted. So like there is a human on the other end that's responding to things <laughs> that you are saying. Mm -hmm. And then there's fully automated bots. I think the, the ones that are 
becoming the most useful. And some of them are like, really, they're meant to be like funny and clever and have Easter eggs and not and gamify things, but not really be helpful. The ones that have been the better experiences and the better advanced are the single purpose bots um, that are fully automated. Right. So like so let let's let's give listeners some examples of these. Where where are people getting real value in some of these scenarios? I think that there are some bot experiences that handle travel that are single purpose mm-hmm. and they're getting and and if you think about it, I mean I almost like to look at it as the bots that are becoming the most helpful are solving the search problem, right? What's the Rather, search problem? So let's just say if I were looking for a flight or a restaurant, I might go to Google. Then I'd have to like go through a search and go, let me go to Expedia. Let me do a further search. So I'm constantly going through deeper dive searches as opposed to just dialing direct to a quote unquote fully automated single purpose bot where I say, I'm looking for a flight from LAX to DCA. Great. And then it unfurls all of these, you know, it basically unfurls all of this information for me directly in the channel that I'm working in, as opposed to having to go to another tab, go to Google. I know it sounds really small mm-hmm. and, and like not a big deal, but the less friction for me on a bot experience where I'm just like, it's, it's basically pulling out all of the search for Expedia and all of the search through Travelocity and it's doing it. And I don't have to leave Slack for instance. And then it will say, would you like me to help you book this right now? So it becomes almost a virtual assistant, but it's a single purpose virtual assistant. And so it can dive deep enough to help get me the information that I need. I'm seeing those experiences as being the best, although where they fail is, and most of them still fail on the natural language. So in colloquially, if I'm just speaking colloquially, you know, I'm not often getting the greatest responses. Um, so I have to almost stick to a script. Would I like this? Yes. Would I like this? No. Do I want, you know, do I want a flight leaving in the AM? Yes. So really single answer. So the natural language processing is just not really there yet, but if it's a single purpose, then those, those are the places where I'm seeing the best experiences. Got it. Got it. And and that makes sense. Yeah. And you integrated some of these into your own Slack experiences? Have I? I yeah. have. Yeah. And what, what, did, what have you found the most value with? Good question. Um, it's funny, you know, like just because I'm curious, the most, the most value that I've had on one of the integrations is a product hunt integration. You know, I'm paying attention to a lot of the companies that are, um, that are launching their products on product hunt. Product hunt does exactly what I want in, as a bot experience. It's like every day I get an update. It sends it right to me on on Slack directly at 2 p.m. And I go and I do the roundup. And um, and some information, so some media sources have been very good in terms of Slack integrations. I've seen Oslo, which is now like private beta. Oslo's actually been one that I like and, I, and I've been sort of paying attention to. Hmm. And this is what's Oslo? Oslo is, um, it's, Oslo is actually an app. They are an app. They are really redefining, as I've described, search, which is it's it's still a bot experience on an app. And you speak to Oslo and it basically asks you what you're looking for in terms of news, in terms of the weather and in terms of food. 
and can do recommendations down to the restaurant level on the food side and then make reservations for me. Um, they will be able to handle delivery as well, but it's, and it's full, it's a fully automated bot. Got it. Got it. And is this, is this stuff that you see, is this going to change the world eventually kind of stuff? Or is this like rich white people problems, problem solving? Do I think it's going to change the world? I don't think anything that we've seen to date has changed the world yet. I think it's the, it's going to change the user experiences. Interesting. Like from I what think to user what? Experiences are going to change. I think as you start seeing, um, we've already started to see Surrey open up, and we've seen. Um, what do you mean? So they've basically opened up to third-party developers. So it now becomes the call goes from you to Surrey, and if I'm asking for whether I get very specific information, so you're starting to see this whole ecosystem of Wait, a virtual assistant. Is this is this Siri? You said Surrey or Siri? Siri. Siri. So the Apple iPhone. Correct. Got it. And and so third-party developers can tap into Siri now? They're starting to. Wow. They're starting to keep, make it open. So I think it's going to change the way that we, in the way that the app changed our interface on our smart, like the, our experiences on our smartphones, mm -hmm. I think what you're starting to see is bots and these integrations are changing the, the way that we interact around search around assistance, around like these, these ecosystems as we know it, I think it's going to change the way that like our Google experiences, you know, when I say about search, it's like, I'm not going to go to Yelp. I'm going to speak to an application that's going to make a call. Mm. Um, and it's going to be a lot more friction free. Do I think they're white people problems? No, I think they're going to, I think there's going to be some healthcare solutions that are going to come in in the same way, right? As you're being provided information and you, and I always sort of think about like, like with, with AI or information, I often feel like the context is the most important, right? So let's just say I'm reading a, uh, a piece in the Washington Post about Bosnia. Mm -hmm. I want to be be able to eventually say, hey, by the way, can you tell me where Bosnia is? I'm, I'm giving you a bad example, but can you give me some context here? And so instead of just giving me a roundup of articles, it's going to provide information to me in a way that I am placed into the context of it. Um, so this is essentially, you know, what, what's been imagined in in science fiction for a while or like Interstellar where he's talking to the robot or Iron Man where he's talking to to Jeeves or whoever that character is, like it's actually going to become more and more real. It is going to become more and more real. I think the companies that on the bot side are the single purpose ones to be paying attention to. The big, bigger players, as we know, are going to be, you know, Microsoft, Google, uh, Amazon, who are building out the ecosystems. Who the winner is, I'm not sure. You know, Samsung. Um, that so, is basically, yeah. So is this, yeah, so is this the kind of thing where, is this like World Wide Web early 90s kind of feel in terms of stage? I think I've, I've seen it being compared to like 2007, 2008 in terms of apps. So for, for people who are listening, who want to be on the edge of culture, who aren't necessarily going to go install a bunch of um, you know, beta bots right now, who certainly aren't going to go code bots, but might 
want to have this on their radar in terms of the direction that things are going, in terms of right. what you're talking about, about how the nature of interfaces are changing. What would you say is, is, the, is the knowledge or hacks or tips or whatever you'd call it that, that, that would be helpful for them to know right now? That's a good question. Um, I would pay attention to... I would pay attention to, you don't even need to get an Alexa, pay attention to what Amazon is doing. I would pay attention to Google's new hardware device. Um, I might even install, just out of curiosity, one of the, um, yeah, this is what I would do. I might install a company that is still an app that is changing the interface, just so you're just curious about what the experience is like. I mean, I don't mean to I don't want to plug them too heavily, but I think a great one is Oslo, even Luca. Um, these are all apps that you can basically download onto your smart device and then say, like, I wonder what this new user experience is eventually going to be like. Mm. I think it's a great way to just play around. Um, you'll get a feel for what works and why it works. You'll also get a feel for why the natural language might just not be there yet. But I also, but I think it's a great, it's just a great kind of let me dip my toe in and see what people are actually doing still using an app that I'm comfortable with and I know how to sort of operate an, an app rather than integrating something on Slack or Facebook Messenger. Or, you know, I think that's a great, that's a great kind of a gateway. All right, so let's, let's talk about Glide. Yeah. I, I know you've been using it. I, I, I'm trying to even understand why I'm so intrigued by it and, and, and fascinated with it. So if everybody doesn't know, um, and it was Jill who introduced this to me, uh, Glide is an app with really fast asynchronous video, meaning I can shoot a five-minute or less video and send it really quickly, really easily. And I can either record it live to broadcast to somebody or record it and then send it. And it also has uh, texting and, and photos in there. And especially since I feel like I was just in a relationship with Snapchat and, and got really burned, like I was dating a 20-year-old girl and just did not understand her. And just thought, even though I wanted to so badly, I just like really couldn't get with no, it and I keep mean, up. I've said this, it was like there was a New Yorker, it was one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons. There was like this picture of a man sitting at a desk with his head blown off. And it said, there's a man staring at him. He said, just another over 40 year old trying to figure out Snapchat again. And it was like, yeah, that feels about true. Oh. Uh, and, and it's the ephemeral piece, which we know is like now kind of not is, is, is not necessarily the case for Snapchat, but it's the ephemeral piece that I just, I often like wrap my head around and said, I don't get it for me. Well, that's, because, that's the piece that I get because get, the, okay. I, because the idea of like, I, I took this crazy picture on Snapchat of, of me with all these, these weird food stuff in front of me that there's no way I would have posted in Facebook. And I thought, Oh, this is just a Snapchat. It's going to disappear. I don't care about it. So it freed me up to get my weird on a little bit more. And I see the value of that. But you know, I, I think that th there's not a whole lot of stuff for me that way a anymore. Like, I'd either not talk about it or just post it on a place where it will be seen and recorded for all time. Um, and and I th the thing that really just started to bug me was two things. One is the eight seconds or so was just not enough time for me to get something coherent out there. And I get that you can do several of them and string them together. Um, mm -hmm. But watching my friends streams of stories as they call them mm -hmm. um of these photos and, and filters and things like that like 
I felt like my day was no better because of that. No, I never, I never had a better day because I was, <laughs> there was never a better day. Like if that's what you're, if that's what your, you know, what your, your, your gauge is, you're like, is my day better because of this? It is not better. Well, cause like PixHD, you know, which is the app that, that just finds photos on Reddit. And you can get to the funny or the gift section. Like, right. that has genuinely improved my day at times. The signal-to-noise ratio isn't high enough for me to keep the app, and I let go of a lot of apps. But there yeah. are definite days where I look back and I say, that improved my life. I laughed more, and I got to have stuff to send to people that was funny. Totally. That, yep, got it. So, so I'm curious. Keep, keep talking about Glide, because I, I know that you've been tooling about with it, and I'm sure you have some insights and some thoughts about its application and why you maybe are intrigued. I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, so it, it, I've been having messages back and forth with people. Um, and You don't message me on Glide. I'll do it more. So I, 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 it's such a rich interaction, and it made me realize, like, okay, why haven't I done more videos uh, before, because it's just a video app that goes back and forth, and I realized there's two brilliant distinctions that Glide has that, that, that to me makes it an incredible experience. One is the video is so fast back and forth that it doesn't have that lag time that makes you feel like, oh, there's that pain in the butt factor. It's just almost instantaneous. So the gratification of getting and sending a message is instantaneous. Because there's re- because there's real time video, right? yes. So it's all it's it's live, right? Well, it so- can be live. It can it can be or it can be recorded. But either way, yep. even if it's recorded, it very instantly gets it over there very quickly. Yes. Yep. And then the other is because it can be live that becomes a recording. I found that when I was sending video messages um, in other kind of programs, I would do a take five, six, eight, ten times mm-hmm. because I'm such a perfectionist and I and, and an egoist who wants to look yes. good and sound good. That, mm-hmm. I, I, and I frustrated myself. And I was like, I, I don't want to do these anymore. But, but now every time I hit the live button because it forces me to do it in one take. And so it sends over that record. Either they're watching it live or it sends that live cut as a recording. And so my, my interactions have gotten faster but also richer because it captures all the emotion that texting doesn't capture, and it gets around phone calls, which you either have to schedule or just go way too long. Well, and vo- and voicemail, which oh, a voicemail I, is I, a classic for leaving that voicemail message, which is like, yeah, you know what, text me. Um, it's become a pit of, of, of despair. There is like nobody in voicemail world anymore. It's it's just you got to expect that it will not be returned. Now, okay, I I get that for by like for just bilateral interactions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how do you imagine, and I know that there are a million different use cases, but how do you imagine it's going to be any different from the number of other tools that are available to me if I have, I hate this word, but if I have an influencer community or um, like what kind of engagement, where do you, where do you think that's going to be game changing? Or do you think it's not really going to be game changing? It, nothing happened. Nothing has to be really game changing. I just am curious if you see there's any major differentiator. I think it is because, because it's longer than eight seconds, you can actually get nice coherent stories across that eventually you know you, you you'll be able to broadcast better and right now it's, it's easy to send out links to to the videos as well right and because of that it's um it's 
it's one of those things where I just feel like I'm in on something early. And, it's, and I don't know if it'll spread, but it's like the kind of people who do want to be on it, who like it, who know how to use it. It's like those are the kind of people that I want to talk to. Whereas I don't want like all my Facebook friends on this. And I'm glad that people aren't going to it in droves. I think this is, this is a much richer interaction platform. And it's, it's I, 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 I don't know. Uh, to me, the, the funny thing is I haven't been this excited about an app in a really long time. And I've actually, I've eliminated so many apps that I have one screen of apps now. Do you know this is a very different conversation than we had about a week ago? What was that conversation? You, you were like, no, nah, I don't get it. You said, <laughs> you really, you were like, it was like a completely different, I, I, I didn't hear you say any anything like this. But I, the only other question I have for you is, where do you think it differentiates from something like Periscope, right? I don't mean to. Oh, because Periscope isn't really point to point. And Periscope lets you go on forever, which nobody wants to see forever. And so you, right now you've got the, these, these two crazy polarized ends where Snapchat is doing eight seconds. And, right. Uh, and, so you and, have time polarized ends, but yes. then you also have the difference between what is bilateral conversation and the use case for broader community com, you know, conversation in video chat, right? And yeah. there's nothing that's covering all of those. Right. Um, so you can just see that there are a bunch of different use cases for a platform that maybe just you use between you and three other people because it's easier for you to communicate what you want to say on Glide than it is on text. I mean, I'm notorious for Watson released, um, it was brilliant. Uh, Watson released this, um, this platform. I think it was Blue Mix. Actually it was Blue Mix who, uh, had written this platform, but it was, you could gauge your, you could do tonal analysis on <laughs> something that you would send before you sent it out. What? And so I would, yeah, no, it's brilliant. I'll send it to you. You, you, you could drop the text into a tonal analysis, uh, sort of like API. You can just run it through and it will come back like Google translate and say like where it is on, <laughs> where it is on the scale of being aggressive. <laughs> Really? And it was like everything I popped in there, there was no surprise. It was like aggressive, aggressive, <laughs> aggressive. And I thought, you know what? I might have to go, I'm going to have to go to another platform. So I think that's where it's brilliant because, of course, it's so much easier. I mean, I don't necessarily want always to be seen. It's why I don't use FaceTime that frequently. I don't really always want to be captured in a video. But uh, I do think the tonality of what I want to convey, even if it's just a single bilateral video, is much better than a text. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you've changed your mind because when we spoke last week, a week and a half ago. Really? I thought I was excited then too. I wasn't excited. No, you said, I feel like there's been a lot of other companies that have come out like this and no one's really solved the problem. And I'm not, I don't really know. Let me see. <laughs> you were like, you were totally on the other side of the spectrum. You were sort of like, nah, I'm not convinced. So. Oh, wow. I think you must have tooled around with it for the past week or so and it's yes. been been useful that's usually how you work you you sort of need like your own space to figure it out and whether it's useful for you yeah yeah huh. got anything else that you're sort of like well I mean, you know, that, that reminds me of something i want to mention which is i was talking with some some experts in the health space and they were talking about how people will use their products get better and forget that things were ever bad yes 
and they have to record them at the beginning so they remember and it just reminds me right now like i don't even remember not liking glide and so like you telling me this it sounds like like a, a videotape that i don't even remember seeing yep that's funny isn't that funny robbie can you hit stop for a second sure Are you are you plugging XPIL at all, or you don't want to talk about it? Uh, not yet. I will like maybe in the next one. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, hold on. What is that? What's what? You're shaking something. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Well, let's go. Let's go back to some of the productivity tips or hacks or anything we can leave our, our audience with. It amazes me how these things that I was saying at the beginning of the show are—they're so basic in a lot of ways. I mean, Tim Ferriss for years has been saying, "Limit your email to two windows. Don't mm-hmm. do anything else." You know, and 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 GTD. Another one is Brian Tracy's "Eat That Frog" concept. Right? Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Go ahead. Oh, it's so great. It's it's a story where he says, look, if you have to eat a frog, if you have to eat a frog, um, eat it first thing in the morning because otherwise you'll spend all day dreading eating Thinking that frog. Thinking about it, dreading it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So he's like, take on that thing first thing in the morning that, that you just don't want to do all day. And then yep. the rest of your day will be awesome. And it's it's that's the thing about the frog, though. It's Every single time it's hard. It doesn't get easier. Yeah. Because it's going to be would agree. And that's actually brilliant. And, and that's something... I have to sw- I have to swallow that frog. I yeah I don't do that, and th- that is another thing that I, I really don't do. I actually put off the least favorable thing until like later on in the afternoon, and I do it all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah me too. I mean, it's just it's just like our human nature, and I I constantly have to remind myself. At one point, I had an actual blue clay frog on my desk to remind me. That didn't really work, by the way. Um, but it's it's it, it really freaking works. So, yeah. so these ones, the clearing of the open loops in 24 hours, the time boxing of activities, especially, oh, the other one, a classic one again, Pomodoros. You ever use Pomodoros? Mm-hmm. Yep. Know, 25 minutes on, five minutes off. Yep. And it's exactly. amazing, that level of focus. Yeah, I do. Here's another basic one, and it's really hackneyed, but I do do it. I, on my Kanban board, I actually usually put up here is the one thing you have to accomplish today. I try and make it as specific as possible, mm-hmm. but you can't close the day until whatever this is, is done. Um, mm. And I usually know what it is like around, like I wake up in the morning. I'm pretty routine. Do you know that I'm like super routine? I wake up in the morning, same time every day and I go to the gym and, um, and then by the time I sit down and start doing work, it's like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. And I actually know exactly what that one thing is that I have to accomplish. And I put it right on the top of the Kanban board. And I'm like, okay, now, you know, you've got this one thing that has to happen. Nothing else can be considered complete until it's done. Yeah. And that's worked. It's worked. Um, it's something that you inadvertently reminded me of actually. Hmm. 
Nice. So, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> thanks for that. Well, anything um, else you want to leave our listeners with before we get going? No, I'd start. I'd really. I mean, I think there's certainly been an enormous amount of chatter around the bot space, but I'd keep paying attention and start weeding out for things that are. Because you're going to see an evolution of these products over at least the next three months. And I'd start paying attention to who some of the winners are. I'd start playing around with some of the ubiquitous assistant apps. Um, Mm. I certainly am paying attention to it. And I think it's going to change. It hasn't yet, but is going to change the way that we interact with a lot of our experiences. Or our expectations are going to be fulfilled very differently on search, on delivery and fulfillment on just booking a flight. I think all of those individual experiences are going to be changed a lot. Nice. Cool. Well, we'll see you soon. Cool. Sounds good. I'm so happy that we got a chance to catch up again. I look forward to doing this again. You too. You too. We'll do more. So thanks for being with us, Culture Hackers. More episodes at culturehackers.com. See you next time.